Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Cheese Sticks in the Center High Level podcast. My name is Don't Count Crowley. He's Austin Mancini. Uh, sorry that it's been a while since we last spoke to you guys. We tried to get an episode up last week, ran, to, ran into some technical difficulties with uh, the files for the episode. Uh, so we we had to postpone until this week, but we're back this week to talk about some Sixers and Flyers. Uh, but before we get into that, we, of course, have a giveaway and tickets to give away here for the Sixers versus Bulls game on March 7th. Uh, so as I actually speak now, Austin is spinning the uh, wheel here, the random wheel we've done Um for the giveaway and uh austin let's get into it who is our winner dylan our winner for the sixers chicago bulls ticket giveaway is eric hastings so congratulations eric uh we'll we'll be in touch uh probably pretty shortly uh, to give you these tickets, I know uh, we thought it would be a good way to reach out and give back to people who are listening to the podcast, interacting with us on the on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything. So uh, congratulations, Eric. Um, I, I'd be excited. I mean, James Harden, and we will get into it. You know, his, his first couple games uh, are upon us. So you'll get to go see James Harden in – what would be first one of his first games. Yeah. One of his first first, and specifically, yeah, specifically at home, one of his first games in front of the Sixers fan base. Um, So we can get right into it. The Sixers play the Timberwolves Friday night. Um, It'll be an interesting, uh, interesting matchup. I I'm excited to see Harden play. Uh, with Joel and company, I'm just, I know a lot of people are like so excited that they think he's going to drop 30 and 10 and 11. It's going to be this great thing. Um, I do think there's going to be a little gelling period in this first week or so that we're going to get, have to get used to, you know, I think he, he easily can have 20 points, no doubt, 20, 30 points, no doubt. But the cohesion of the team is just something they're going to have to work on in this first week or so. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it may legitimately take even more than just this first week. It may take the rest of the regular season and uh, as they head into the playoffs before this team is truly gelling with each other. Because uh, let's be honest, James Harden uh, is a hell of a player, no doubt. But uh with, with adding a guy like James Harden, your entire offensive philosophy and how your offense is going to run kind of changed, changes now because most of the offense is going to, while it's running through Joel, is now going to run through uh, Harden and Joel. So it does take some pressure off Joel, but at the same point, Harden's going to want his fair share of shots. And uh, Joel, obviously, while he is a team player, um, not that hard. I mean, Harden is notorious for wanting to take a majority of the shots. Um, Embiid, we haven't seen Embiid be vocal about not getting opportunities, really. Um, but with Harden, uh, it, it is going to change a lot of how they they run the ball, run, run the ball, run up and down the court offensively here. Um, so it's going to take a while for them to definitely gel but 
man, I'm just excited. This is what two weeks in the making, pretty much for uh, James Harden to make his debut as a Sixer. He's the number one selling jersey on um, Fanatics. What's yeah. it called? Yeah, Fanatics. Yeah. Since the trade, I mean, uh, it's been a long time since Philadelphia has been this excited about a player. Probably last one was being Bryce, but outside of Bryce, it's been a really long time. Yeah, and I will say too that James Harden really has never had uh, a big superstar to be with, like in the sense of a center or power forward. You know, a guy like KD or Kyrie, like it's been more so guards that he has played with in the NBA when it comes to superstars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, everybody's going to be saying, like, hey, look back at OKC when it was him. Westbrook and Duran running and Obaka, down there. But, and Obaka. But, I mean, it's just – it. one, none of the they, – while they were all, were all still very good players, none of them were the players they be, they became until they were out, out of OKC or, in Westbrook's case, by himself in OKC. <laughs> the, but this is, this is really the Harden's first chance, like you said, to play with that superstar center or power forward that Embiid's going to provide. Um, and I think that's going to be a really big asset to Harden. It's going to really It'll be an asset him. to both. You know, yeah, it, it it's going to – because they complement each other. Because uh, Joel can now – can be down low uh, near the basket and Harden can be – near the perimeter. So it's at least spreading the floor. You know, that's what you always worried about with um, the other superstars that he's been with is it's clogged. Ben kind of, Ben didn't want to be around the perimeter or mid range. So Ben was down low. So it, it to an extent clogged down low. So then you relied on Tobias to be the perimeter threat of the three. Now you have two guys who can be perimeter mid range and Joel can be down low. And then if you really want, Joel can shoot an occasional three as well. Absolutely. I mean, I'm really excited to see how this offense is going to be. I mean, um, obviously there's going to be quite a bit of picking and rolling in this offense. Um, But I mean, you now have James Harden who will shoot the ball from anywhere on the court. Um, You have Joel who really can shoot as well. I mean, obviously Joel is not as good as a three-point shooter and won't be taking that many threes. Harden, I think, is averaging like six or seven per game this year. Um, Joel obviously won't touch that, but Joel can make literally literally any shot on the floor. Um, He's already trying to Harden step back. He is, and he made made one already. I mean, the – this uh, this Sixers offense will be able to beat you from anywhere. Um, and that's not to mention a guy like Maxi who's getting better and better. And I think playing with a guy like Harden, while it it may diminish Maxi's offensive numbers a bit, is going to be beneficial to Maxi both in the short term and long term. Um, and what I'm really interested to see is, is how this affects a guy like Feibel. Because mm-hmm. um, I think working with a guy like – Harden can also benefit him. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, but also, I, I got to say, on the All-Star game, I didn't watch much. I watched just to see Joel play a little bit. But it was really weird to hear um, how many All-Star appearances is it now for James Harden? Like 10-something. Yeah, yeah, 10-time All-Star from the Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden. Uh-huh. That was 
that was so weird to hear, but I it, it feels damn good at the same time. Um, I will say too, I think what they they might have to do, and and Glenn is going to have to do some toying around, but Maxie might have to go to the second unit, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, especially in the playoffs with Joel. Joel's going to play most minutes, or even Harden's going to play most minutes. But when they need a break, you now have a guy in Maxi coming off the bench who, if you need to give extended minutes because Joel's in foul trouble or something or Harden's in foul trouble, you can, you're not worried that you're not going to get any scoring from the bench. Um, you did make a good point about Thibel. It's going to be interesting what they do because um, Jordis Nyang showed more you know, offensive prowess uh, last game. Thibel's yeah. offensive game is what's going to hurt him from playing with the starters in the playoffs if yeah. the, if Glenn reduces his role to the bench. And, I mean, to an extent that might help the bench too because if you have Maxi out there um, and yeah, you I have mean, Willie Cauley-Stein now on that 10-day contract, yeah. you, know, you might need some defense. Yeah, you might yeah, need some defense. Let's talk about Willie Colley Stein quickly. I, I like that pickup. I, um, I'm, I mean, I mean, fine. He, his job is going to be to get you as many rebounds as he can. Yeah, six and, points, like 10, 12 rebounds. Yeah, and he offers a guy who can score down low, um, which um, they will need when Har- uh, when not Harden, when Embiid's not on the floor. Um, the dude. He, 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 we may get some sick alley oops out of this as well, um, seeing uh, his track record with those. But uh, and the other thing is, um, with Willie Collins signed, the Sixers do have a little bit of depth again now at center, and he's a guy that in the playoffs you can throw out there to be physical against some some of these guys like Giannis and all that. Uh, and hey, that's five fouls, like. If we're in a playoff game and Willie Colley Stein fouls out because he's <laughs> making it tough for Giannis or uh, even a guy like Ben, uh, yeah. so be it. I, I you you sacrifice a guy like Willie Colley Stein in those situations. Um, so I like it. We'll see how these uh, this ten day contract goes, but I'd be shocked if it if he doesn't remain on the team past these yeah. 10 days. I probably would have rathered, and you, I, I'm assuming you too, uh, a Boogie Cousins, Tristan Thompson, sure. guys sure. like that, that you can get more offensively out of off sure. the bench, but it's whatever. You know, he, like you said, he's going to be there to just eat minutes. You're not expecting him to score. That's what if Maxie's coming off the bench, that's what Maxie's going to be there for or Nyang or whoever. You're you're just there to make sure they don't go down low 24-7 and out-rebound you when Embiid is off the court. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at Willie Collier-Stein's um, ratings this season. Uh, I played 18 games for Dallas this year. Um his offensive rating this year is a 101, which actually is the lowest of his career. His defensive rating is 107, right around his uh, career average there. Uh, averaging 9.7 points in, uh, let's see, what's his minutes per game here? Um, 
117 minutes in 18 games. So he's averaging under 10 minutes per game. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's averaging one on the court there. What did I say? Oh, sorry. 9.7 points per 100 possessions. Yeah. Um, which is what it is. Yeah, it won't provide you much um, offensively. But um, the thing about training uh, Drummond was he he could go out there and get you mm-hmm. 20 rebounds in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and while Willie Collestein is not as uh, strong of a rebounder as Drummond, he's still – a pretty good career average of 9.6 rebounds per game. Yeah, it's about uh, the presence aver- more so than... Yeah, and he's anything. averaging 13... Uh, sorry, he was averaging 10.8 rebounds per 100 possessions uh, this season. So Yeah, it's more of just a... Pre- you know, like, because the second and B comes off, they're going to... The other teams are going to try to go big and yep. attack the basket. And I think Obviously, Daryl Morey knows that, and that's why he signed a seven foot two center as a backup yeah. center because he needs somebody who can stop that from happening. And it's kind of funny because I used to play 2K with uh, my friend, and that's exactly what I did. I had a bunch of shooters, and then all of my bigs, it was, I think, Willie Cully, Stein, Joel Embiid, and Porzingis. So the whole point was protect the paint, but then keep it on the outside but you're gonna have to you know manage both and i think thibel if he comes off the bench that's a good way to protect the perimeter and then you have willie Cauley stein to protect down low yeah and uh the other thing to remember here is that i don't think this is the end of the sixers being a player in the buyout market um I know, as most of our listeners probably do, on uh, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, Daryl Morey went on and said that the Sixers were working on something in the buyout market that uh, Morey was really excited about and it just hadn't uh, come to fruition just yet. I don't think that was really Colley Stein. Now, Schroeder maybe, maybe that, or something. Yeah, perhaps whatever he was talking about, maybe that fell apart. But at the same time, the deadline is March 1st. Um, we're recording this on the 23rd. So we still got, um, what, five, six days left here mm-hmm. um, in the buyout market. Uh, something could happen. I mean, a Derek Favors um, is still out there, uh, possibly. Um, it would have been nice to see Dragic, but he went to the he went yeah. to Brooklyn. Gary Harris, maybe. Yeah. Uh, there's still plenty of options out there, possibly on the buyout market. Still have five days. A lot can happen. We'll see. Um, I mean, look at the tra- trade for James Harden. That happened. That went from not happening to happening <laughs> in a matter of, what, two hours? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot can still happen over the next five days or so. So uh, perhaps there's more to come for the Sixers. But in terms of going back to James Harden, his debut on Friday night against the Timberwolves. I'm really excited about that. Um, I think I saw the Sixers were only like a point and a half favorite over the Timberwolves. Um, I would hammer that. I, I think the Sixers are going to go out and uh, cruise to a victory here, even if the offense isn't gelling early. Um, 
And I, I feel a big game out of James Harden coming. I, I think a big game. I'm I'm talking upwards of thirty plus points, and I think going to be can go out there and give you 25, 30. Yes. And if you're getting, it's not going to be every night, but if they can get 30 plus out of Embiid most nights and then 25 plus out of um, Harden or vice versa, this team is going to be incredibly hard to beat down the stretch here and going into the playoffs. Well, and then you have Tobias who would give you about 15 to 20. So right there, Between three players, that's 65 points. You have 65, 70 points. And then you don't really need – you don't need Maxi to do all that. But guess what? We've seen over the course of this year, Maxi can take over a game if need be or if he wants to. Um, So I'm excited too. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm going to have to try to find a way to watch the game because I'll be at work, which is a little upsetting. but. I'll definitely either be listening to it on the radio or just, uh, you know, tagging along on Twitter or I'll be texting you to find out how it's going. But yeah. And, and before we move on, just looking at their next five games here, Timberwolves, Knicks, uh, uh, at Timberwolves at the Knicks home against the Knicks home against the Cavs. And then at Miami, I think they should go four and one with a great chance of going five and zero oh down this stretch. I know Miami is a very good team; going to be very hard to beat. But I think they have a good chance to really go five and zero oh in this stretch, and then come home against the Bulls on March seventh, where where Eric will be live uh, yeah. for uh, the Harden's third game at home as a Sixer. That would that would be. I I'm genuinely jealous. My I think my dad was looking at tickets, not even for that game, but just a game in general, like relatively short, just to see if like just go see Harden, which is crazy because like like you said, like there hadn't been a player that had been recruited slash brought here uh, recently besides Bryce that has made people yeah. go. I need to go see that team. Yeah, and and the thing about Bryce is. Bryce did say after he visited Philly and all that and uh, all the contracts, he was like, Philly is the place we wanted to be. But um, And, and I, I'm not meaning this any slight towards Bryce, but it's been a long time since there's been a guy like Harden who now for over a year wanted to play in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And we're not that hard to please as fan base. I we mean, just want to see effort. All we have is for effort and, yeah, for you to play hard every game. But it goes a long way when somebody says they want to play in Philadelphia. They that This is where they want it to be, especially if it came before they were ever playing in the city. Um, and I think Harden so far has done a great job of being a leader on the bench when he wasn't playing. And it seems like he's been really – trying to be a leader in practice as well. And he's really endearing himself to the fan base early on, maybe not to the extent of Bryce Harper, but they're also two different personalities in that standpoint. In terms of Harden's personality, I think he's endearing himself to the fan base as much as he could here, and he's doing a great job of doing so. And I think um, this could go a long way. um, That's two different circumstances too. You know, like Bryce – when Bryce signed, it was a okay. Here we go. We're gonna start start contending. 
we just signed Bryce Harper. You know, that's the first half. We have Aaron Nola. Yeah. The James Harden trade was a, okay, we're pushing. The chips are already pushed in. We're shoving them even farther um, because we already thought we were a championship contending team. We weren't, you know, like a piece or two or three or four uh, away. Like when Bryce signed here, um, this Harden trade just kind of signified like, yeah, we're going for it for the next two to three years uh, while Embiid is playing at an MVP caliber level. And if we don't win it, we don't win it. Whereas, the you know, the six or the Phillies with the lockout and just where they are in terms of uh, roster construction, it's just not there yet. Yeah, and everything to remember here with the Harden stuff, and we said this on the last podcast before the technical difficulties, is yes, if the Sixers could win the championship this year, nobody's obviously going to complain. But this move is not as much about this year as it is about setting up for a big 2022-2023 season because you're going to get Harden back, you're going to have Embiid, and you're probably going to try to move Tobias Harris this offseason yeah. to free up some more money. And um, there's also a theory out there that Harden could opt out of the contract and then sign a new contract for a little bit less money for the Sixers to go out there and get a third superstar. Maybe um, Kawhi. Maybe Kawhi. Um, and to get that third superstar, bring him to Philly and then – create a super team that can go out there next year and bring that championship home to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of that's a pipe dream. I like James Harden. I think he wants to win a championship, but historically NBA players haven't really been ones to <laughs> say, no, let me take less money. Yeah. You're not um, Tom Brady. Who's... There's very few Tom Brady's in sports in general. <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady's one. Bryce Harper is still making 25 million, but he, <laughs> He took a longer contract to get less money, quote unquote, yeah. uh, per year, which gives the Phillies a little bit more flexibility, even though they don't use it. Um, there's very few of those guys in sports. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not gonna. I don't have a care either way. But it'll be something to watch here, and um, we'll see what they do down the stretch. Let's go into the Flyers because guess what? These guys are um, once again on the verge of a 10-game losing streak. They're at six games now after their Tuesday night 4-1 to loss to the St. Louis Blues. Um, I mean, the biggest storyline with the Flyers <laughs> at this point is what is going to happen to Claude Giroux. Uh, it's been known, it's been told that Giroux is looking at the Central, at the Avs. Um, uh, who else popped up? I think the Blues popped up, and I think it was uh, the Wild who also popped mm-hmm. up there as potential destinations. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, it's, I mean, that's the biggest thing really looking at the Flyers is does Drew get traded? Because if he does, it's, it's the end of an era. Yes. He can come back in the off season after potentially winning a cup wherever he goes. But at the same point, I mean, it's, it it, will be bittersweet to see him leave, but I think it's something that also needs to happen for the, just for going Mm -hmm. forward. I mean, who got traded a couple of weeks? Oh, Tyler Toffoli got traded just last week, and he brought back a massive return. If that's what Tyler Toffoli brings back, imagine with Giroux. Giroux should bring back a, a top prospect and at least a top, 
I mean, a first or second round draft pick, if not more, um, because Giroux is still a very damn good player. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing um, reports of the Avalanche getting a little nervous of doing it, just in the sense of they don't want to give up a Yost uh, sure. and a pick in order to get Giroux. Like they see it more as a luxury and not a necessity to get Giroux, which no crap. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no crap. Um, I mean, a ghost is like the dream, but is it really realistic? Probably not. Um, yeah, I'd, I it would be it would be ideal to see him go get a cup somewhere and maybe resign for less money. But um, ironically, I'm I'm looking at the schedule right now, Dylan, and the Flyers honestly could hit ten games in a row again. They play Washington uh, Saturday. They play Edmonton, Minnesota, Chicago, Golden Knights, Panthers, Hurricane, Canadians. I mean, <laughs> that's that's at least ten right there. Not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> no. Right. Um, I mean, they can barely yeah. score a goal, and the every single one of these teams besides Montreal can put up three in the span of five minutes. Yeah, this is, I mean, what's their record right now? Sin had 15, 26, and 10, 40 points, seven in the Metro. Um, I mean, are they still closer to a playoff spot than they are being at like a top three? Uh, uh, the, they are, the Canadians have water. 31 points right now, and they're 12, 33, and seven. The Flyers have 40 points. So, I mean, that's a nine-point difference. The wild card, the wild card, they are 12, they're 22 point, points. Well, out. overall in the league, they rank 27th out of 32 yeah. teams. Uh, and the third pit, right now, so, <laughs> where's the big cutoff when it comes to the lottery? Five and is it five and three? I think so. Um, I mean, the Flyers are right there. I mean, Montreal's 31, New Jersey is 39, Buffalo is 40. Yeah, and the Kraken. Oh, the, crap. Out yeah, of I forgot about the West. Are at, are at 36, and the Coyotes are 30 points. So, I mean, uh, get, somehow again, a top three draft lottery odds here is not totally out of the question. Um, Talking about draft lottery, um, while the baseball is still locked out, uh, they have agreed that going forward there will be a draft lottery uh, system in baseball, um, which will be interesting. Um, it's not going to be like top 12 picks like it is in hockey and uh, or whatever it is in hockey and then basketball. But it's going to be um, – they haven't decided yet, but pro- I'm going to guess probably about six teams. But uh, just – Three out of the four major sports leagues now are going to have draft lotteries, so that's interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting if uh, not to go on a uh, sub topic, but uh, it would be interesting if the NFL did it. You know, teams like the Dolphins and the Jets and Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, like they wouldn't be yeah. like to try to discourage this uh, <laughs> potential uh, pay to lose scenarios. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out Brian Flores. Um, 
for uh, saying no. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing. very it's very um, interesting just because they are such a bad team right now. I know they are getting Farabee and Carter Hart. I think should be back soon with the high infection. Farabee's been practicing. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a chance he plays on Saturday. But that doesn't help us in the sense of no. just let it – whatever's happening, let it happen. You know, they're going to be more yeah. competitive. And what sucks is I don't think, like, for whatever reason, we've had these injury-like seasons with all Philly sports teams. and yep. But I don't know if we've ever seen one like this. You know, like Kevin yeah, Hayes yeah. needing three surgeries. Ryan Ellis, I don't know if he exists still. Um, Derek Broussard's gotten hurt like seven yeah. times. Sean Couturier's out. Farabee out. Like this team's core guys just got destroyed. And then, you know, when it comes to the talent as a whole, like with their prospects, their prospects are running into the same issue. Yeah. Yeah, it, they really are. And, and that's been something that's been happening for the prospects for years now. I mean, it, uh, Rubsov's been injured quite a bit. Wade um, Allison. Wade Allison. I mean, Wade Allison get, gets hurt, comes back, makes his NHL debut, and then on like his first shift he gets hurt again and is Cam, gone forever. Cam York, uh, when they sent him back down during the All-Star break, I believe he got hurt. I think he might be back now, but – it's just the thing is like, I I think you have to a go like we were talking about trade Giroux because like if I kind of look at this as like a Cliff Lee scenario at this point, you you trade and I know the Cliff Lee trade didn't work out because all the prospects sucked, but um, you gotta you you trade him you get prospects back and I know the Phillies weren't originally planning on signing him I guess but uh. If you want to bring him back in the offseason, go ahead. But you have to get something new into the system. Um, and you have to get more talent into the system. Um, because looking at it, there's just no quick – there's no quick fix here. And, An aggressive I, retool. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing is – and yes, I hate, I do hate having a corporate um, ownership here, but at the end of the day, like same time, I know if this was back in like the how hockey was before uh, the salary cap era, the Flyers right now would be one of the top teams in the league because they Comcast would throw money for the Flyers into getting any player they wanted, and they're still doing um, it. Look at their analytic. You know, they just announced yeah. like they're putting more money in the a- analytic department, like. Yeah, as much as people say like Comcast doesn't care, they clearly do. Yeah, and like I, Dave Scott doesn't help himself with some of the things he says, <laughs> but at the same time, like the dude really has no control over any of the hockey operations side of things. And like I said, if this was the non-salary cap era, the Flyers would be. I would feel a lot better about where the Flyers are because the Flyers could go out and buy every top free agent they wanted because. There's not many teams right now that have, uh, if any, that have richer ownership than the Flyers. Yeah. The Flyers are one of the biggest corporations in the world as their ownership. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's what it's annoying. Um, so, I, I don't put a lot of blame on Dave Scott. The Flyers no. do need to change some of the ways 
they handle um, their history or alumni, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I mean, I just don't know how this team gets fixed outside of another five years of trying to rebuild and hoping it pans out. Well, and it also needs to become a draft philosophy question because look at the guys they're going after. You know, like, for example, the big one, the Nolan Patrick. You know, Nolan Patrick was the prototypical two-way center that the Flyers wanted. Apparently they wanted yeah. Kale McCarr. Didn't work out, whatever. But they they almost try to take the safe guy too often. You know, and guys, for yeah. example, that we've taken recently, like Tyson Forrester, Bobby Brink, um, Elliot uh Day or nay, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. You know, those guys are bigger swing players. And look at Tampa Bay. Look at look at all the top teams. They have these guys who are very good at something specific, but they're yeah. a top talent at doing that. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing that Tampa Bay is great at is finding value. Yeah. Late in drafts and undrafted. I mean – Look at one of their biggest contributors during the last decade, um, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Do undrafted, undrafted. Um, and I'm I'm trying to think. Is there somebody else who's big for them that wasn't a high draft pick? Let me see if I can find who that was. I mean, Braden Coburn's still on that team. <laughs> the ages wonder. <laughs> uh um, I, I don't know. I can't find it. But the point is, is Tampa Bay is they they've hit their top picks mm-hmm. and they've found value elsewhere on their roster, uh, which is, is the key to success in the NHL these days. Yeah, I mean Andre Pilat has was a seventh round draft pick back in twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. Alex Killorn was a third round draft pick. Yeah, we need. I feel like we need to stop like trying to find guys that like are Philadelphia Flyer esque. You know, like this is what the Flyers are. They are yeah. the Broad Street bullies. These big guys, not afraid. We need to stop with that and just take the best player, with the best talent on the ice. Colorado, perfect example. Landis Cog McKinnon. And McCarr. Yeah. Top talented guys. Granted, McCarr and McKinnon were top picks, but that's the easiest way to accumulate top talent. Yeah, and it's something we've talked about here before, but what really is killing the Flyers today is – those Ron Hextall draft picks not working out. I mean, let's let's go back and look at it. Um, the germ. Joel Farabee was was Farabee was Farabee. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was he one was of the last Ron, one, I yeah. think. Yeah, Cam York may have even been Ron. Either way, Farabee fine, but nobody else from the 2018 draft has yet to make their I think debut. Cam York was uh, Fletcher's first. Okay, so that was 2019. Um, but 
that 2018 draft. They they drafted Jay O'Brien, 19th overall. Um, Jay O'Brien, I still think, is at Boston U, uh, where he, he has 12 points in the last 10 games, and uh, he's now yeah, – He's starting to play um, a little better. Yeah, he's now 22. Um, he's he's done quality job at Boston, but we'll, we'll see if he makes that jump to pro hockey sooner than later. Um, so it's too early to tell on O'Brien still, but you got Adam Ginning, Jackson, Ivany, Wide Wiley. I mean, nobody in that draft besides that has really done anything. 2017, you got Nolan Patrick. Um, I'm not going to complain about Nolan. He was the consensus number two guy at that time or number one guy, depending on who, who you asked. If it wasn't for the injuries, he would have won number one. Morgan Frost is, I mean, 14 points in 52 games is a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't, th- their usage of him has been um, borderline, not even borderline, it has been questionable. Um, yeah. And, he, he might be better with the change of scenery too, by the way, if they could package yeah. something. like Absolutely. It almost feels like they're trying to fit a circle like shape into a or a square shape into a round peg, you know, like trying to make him a two hundred foot player to an extent, and that's not what he is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Isaac Radcliffe was in that draft, who's looked actually uh-huh. decent um, since he's come up. I know he struggled in the AHL, but he's actually uh, for the couple games that he's been up, you know, he's he looks almost like a little more confident. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. Uh, Kirill Ustamenko, is he still with the Flyers? I, I thought I remember seeing something about they him. They signed him to something. Uh, but he's overseas again now. Yeah. Know, apparently he's on, according to Elite Prospects, he's on the Phantoms. He might be there because it was like a 10-day thing or something. He was with a Belarus club earlier this year. Okay. Um, or last year, and he's played with the Royals this year. But, I mean, the dude's 23 and he's still playing in Reading mostly. I mean, he, he's also a guy who can't really stay healthy. Um, Matthew Strom didn't work out. Shisko, whatever. 2016, Rupsta, Rusov didn't work out. LaBerge at, didn't work out. Carter Hart has been good for the most part. Yeah. Wade Allison will – We'll see. Carson Twinsky is not even with the team anymore. Uh, Bunneman is okay. Uh, Tanner Lazinski. 2015, Provorov has been a disappointment the last two and a half years. Konechny has been a disappointment. Konechny, I mean, does have um, 250 career points in 400 games, but he's been a disappointment uh, for the last couple of years. Um Felix Sandstrom has not panned out. I mean, there was a time where we were looking at the Flyers' goalie depth there with um, Carter Hart and Ustamenko and um, Sandstrom. We're like, the Flyers have three of the best goalies in, like, prospect goalies in, in the world right now. Because um, Ustamenko, I think, won something and uh, some type of award at juniors, and Sandstrom was having a great junior career as well. Um but you look at it, it just didn't work out, and that doesn't even include guys like Sanheim and Abe Kubel, Mark Friedman. Oscar has been good, but then you got Moran and Robert Hag. I mean, it's 
they they've dra- they drafted really poorly since 2012. Yeah, and what sucks about the Konechny one is, like, he said, like, not necessarily he set himself up for disaster, but he had such a good year that one year of, like, 60 points or whatever that that became the bar people held him to. And because he hasn't had those type of points, everyone kind of feels like he's been, like, a huge disappointment, which... I mean, he's he's played well, especially recently. But it, you know, he, the goals aren't just aren't there right now. Yeah, and then perhaps it's a little bit of unfair expectations because of those previously uh, said what you said there with his uh, one season there. But uh, and maybe that's maybe there's a lot too much pressure on him because this team doesn't have enough talent at the forward position. For them to have, for him to be able to play comfortably and within himself and not try to do too much. Because I think at some points he is trying to do too much because this team just has nothing to go towards offensively. Um, any other thing you want to talk about today? Uh, no, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's Gary Mayhew season. That's, that's the only thing in my mind when it comes to the Flyers is. If you know, I I think I tweeted from our thing that you know everyone was expecting somebody to make a jump this year, and that somebody was Morgan Frost or Cam York or something. You know, one of the big name guys. Little did we know that Gary Mayhew was going to outplay like eighty percent of the Flyers roster in a span of like two weeks. So uh, good for uh, King Gerald, I guess. I mean, at this point, it's, it's these small things we have to look forward to and use to get ourselves to watch games. I'll be honest, I haven't watched a game live in quite some time. Um, I have YouTube TV, and I, I do record every Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, Eagles game. So with the Flyers recently, I just uh, I'll I'll record the game, and then I'll either watch the key plays or I'll just kind of sk- skim through the game because it's just too too hard to watch these days on an however often you want to say basis it's just um this team has really just killed me mentally with hockey this year i've been following hockey otherwise it's just i i can't watch this team it's just incredibly such a disappointing season and um we thought this was the year that they get back into contention but um it looks like it's not going to be another at least two or three years until they, they are in a spot where they are actually going to be a competitive hockey team on a daily basis. Yeah, unfortunately. And maybe, you know, if they move guys like Ristolainen or Giroux or even Konechny or one of Sanheim or Provorov, you can kind of build yeah. with talent like, you know, those young 20-year-old kids and draft picks. So maybe they can aggressively retool by getting those type of players and picks. And also you have the uh, off season where you can make a couple signings. I think too, uh, real quick that the backup goalie next year, obviously Martin Jones has been talked about as a trade candidate. I think uh, with how Fedotov uh, performed in the Olympics, I, I think he, they might look at that and say, Hey, we might be able to do our backup goalie with him, you know, instead of, having to look outside the organization in order to have your backup for Carter next year. 
Yeah, and I would say Martin Jones was a signing that a lot of people crapped on when it when it was made, and it it wasn't a great sign at the time. It's still it's been a borderline good sign. I wouldn't even say good signing, but he hasn't been absolutely terrible this year. And um, again, I, I think it's hard to judge him and Carter because the what's in front of them is just so porous. Um, so uh, I guess what I'm saying is uh, good for Martin Jones for. Do actually kind of having a quality season here, yeah. despite everything in front of him, uh, and perhaps it it revitalized his career a little bit here. I mean, he, he, if he wasn't good, he wouldn't be a trade target, mm-hmm. or if he wasn't you know uh, viable, uh, he wouldn't be a trade target. Well, so. the other thing too is like um, Carter. You know, last year you were worried about Carter because I mean he was letting everything in, you know, and yeah. and the team in front of him was bad. Um, so Absolutely. it's at least encouraging that this team is just as bad, if not worse, in front of him, and yet he's yep. ha- he still has like a ninety-one and a half save percentage or something close to that. Yeah, I mean, as we wrap up here, yeah, Carter right now nine sixteen and six, which whatever a nine ten save percentage, two point nine six goals allowed, um, average. I mean, at the end of the day for what is in front of him, he's had a really good season and he's made a lot of tough saves. It's just, you can't put your goalie in the positions. The Flyers defense have put them in. It reminds me of those carry hard years, still not carry hard, carry price years uh, in Montreal where he was playing at a Vezina level for the most part. But when, when you're giving up, breakaways after breakaways or three on two opportunities or aren't in front of the net to clean up the puck. I mean, this is what's going to happen. And it's just, uh, I, it's, it's unfortunate for Carter because he's having a pretty solid season, all things considered, but um, uh, it, it's not going to change anytime soon. No, no, it will not. Uh, that's all, all right, I got on the that, Flyers. With that, let's wrap it up. Uh, First, again, congratulations Congratulations to Eric Hastings for uh, winning the tickets to the Sixers-Bulls game on March 7th. Eric, enjoy uh, the game. Uh, enjoy watching James Harden uh, in his third-ever third uh, home game at Wells Fargo Center. Um, other than that, uh, enjoy everybody. James Harden's debut on Friday. We'll all be watching. Uh, enjoy Flyers hockey as much as you can. We'll be talking about Eagles uh, – in the upcoming weeks here with free agency and the draft coming soon. Um, so yeah, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Um, thanks again, everybody for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at in the 700 on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at in the 700 as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter respectfully at uh, Dylan um, CC underscore FB. And then Austin, you are, can be found where at Austin Mancini. Simple as that. All right. It's pretty simple. Um, and then, yeah, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, rate, and whatever you uh, would like to do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.